0: The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. So gather around the campfire with me for the legend, legend of blind Bart and despicable Z. Starts off, starts off on a dark desert highway, cool wind in my hair, the warm smell of something eat us, rising up through the air. The prequel to where we get to the road to Jericho starts back in Luke chapter 18, not Luke 19. We're going to look at that story as well. The main part of the story is Despicable Z, but there's a cool little prequel story that happens there in that, and I want you to see it. Uh, The J-dog, Jesus, the big dog who's got this group of people together, if they're going to talk about the legend and give people nicknames and stuff like that. Pulls them aside. Luke 18, verse 31. Taking the 12 disciples aside, not 12 people, folks, disciples aside, Jesus said, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. Now, you and I hear that and think, yada, 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 whatever. In their scriptures, these people had gone to church their whole life. The legends of their thing was there was someone coming, and they called him The Son of Man. Those of you that paid attention back in the 80s and 90s to WWF and WWE stuff, the ultimate warrior, the Hulk, like this amazing, the Son of Man is coming and he's going to kick out all the evil people and set us up again and take over and dominate and we're going to rule and reign forever. The Son of Man is coming. That's what you think it's going to mean when the predictions come true. He will be handed over to the Romans and he'll be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit upon They'll flog him with a whip and kill him, but on the third day he'll rise again. My Bible had a lot of this next verse underlined, starred, highlighted. They didn't understand any of this. The significance of his words was hidden from them, and they failed to grasp what he was talking about. You ever come to church... And hear a message and go, I don't get it? Yeah, all the time here, especially when I'm up. Like, What's he saying there? Yeah. You ever think, okay, I'm going to get serious about God and join a small group. And people in the small groups are talking about stuff. You're going, I'm... okay, I'm going to read my Bible for myself and go, huh? And you think, well, I, until I understand more, I really can't be part of following Jesus. So I'm going to tell you, if you don't understand who Jesus is, you could actually write the Bible. Because these 12 disciples are the guys that end up writing most of what we call our New Testament today. Most of the time, you'll see it over and over again. They go, what's he talking about? We don't get him. We don't understand him. If you struggle with understanding the way of Jesus, you're a great disciple, a great follower of Christ. You're not. Here's the deal. People say all the time, well, when I get it all figured out, look, I've been a Christian now for most of my life. The, the more I read and understand, the, more, the less I understand, the more I go, wait, what? Huh, this trying to make it all make sense? why so it's called the mystery of faith, not just A plus B plus C, like a spreadsheet thing that you can download, and it all kind of just lines up and becomes logical for you. That's the, 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 what happens there. As Jesus approached Jericho, now coming down the road here, keep in mind the context of this. He has just told them that he's the Son of Man, and he's not going to come conquering. He's going to be whipped, tortured, killed, crucified. And some idea of the rising on the third day. What is that all about? This is what's in Jesus' mind. He knows what's coming for him. He knows what's coming. He knows that in just a few days' time, he's going to be flogged, crown of thorns on his head, crucified on a cross, and the wrath and judgment of, the, of God the Father is poured out on him for the sins of the world. He knows that's coming whenever you have a difficult thing coming, like a big challenging thing at work or a difficult thing going on with your kids, and then somebody comes along and says, hey, can you help me out with something? What are you going to tell them? I, I, I'm, I got important things right now, pal. I would love to help you, but I'm like, I don't know. I ought to go save the whole world from sin in a few days. You might get a free pass on being compassionate and helping anybody out. Keep that in mind for the context of what comes next. As Jesus approached Jericho a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. We know this blind beggar's name is Bartimaeus, blind Bart. We know that from Matthew and Mark, who also record this story. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, because he doesn't see anything, he just hears a noise, he asked, what's happening? They told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. Everybody's heard about Jesus. He's heard of this guy that does miracles, that, that, feeds, a, that feeds a crowd with a little kid's happy meal. He, he's, people have, he's raised people from the dead. He's heard the story of, he's pe- here people that were born blind. And since he's blind, he thinks, Son of Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in the front. Mark that up in your Bible. In the front yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. You know what? Here's the truth today sometimes. Sometimes the people that make it hardest to get to Jesus are the people closest to Jesus. You know who that is? It's us. And it's not even because we're self-righteous and judgmental, hypocritical. Now, there's a few of us that are like that. I know your stories. I see your posts all over social media, so I know who you are. Oh. But sometimes we just we're close to Jesus, and man, we, we, have, we, we get the lingo and the language, and we like it how we like it, our preferences, and how it all works here. And so, and here's the things that will happen sometimes, too, is the longer you hang around Jesus... The longer you hang around at church, and you know what starts to happen, you start to think, "Well, the lo- I, I've been here a while. I've been a member the longest." And in any kind of club anywhere, in the workplace, whatever, if you've been a member the longest, what does that mean for you? You get more perks, more privileges. You think about that when you spend more money on your credit card. We've been a, a, a member at a certain whatever you've done the most of. You've been there the longest. You tend to get the, the, the to the top. What I hope to, to help you, hope you guys see here today is the people closest to Jesus were making it difficult for this guy on the fringe, on the edge, who wanted to get to Jesus. And I don't want this to be a big, convicting yell at you guys. I think we do a pretty good job with this here. I think a lot of us here are close to Jesus, and you're frequently saying, how do we make this easy? One of the things we talk about here is, um, if you're newer here today and you got here early for our service, you might have found a parking space. Uh, probably not. Most of us park on the street or across the street. We all that kind of stuff. Our whole deal here making it easy for people to get to Jesus here who are who are newer is if the longer you've been here, the farther away you should park. The farther away you should park. And in church settings, uh, you know where everybody wants to sit? Those back three rows back there. We're gonna tell you here, park far away and sit close. Now if you're sitting the back today, you're fine. You're great, you're awesome. But we're telling you, hey, we want to do that. We we also want to tell you too that what it means to, to be careful about things is we don't put our, our preferences and our convictions out front all the time, even on things that we feel like are have scriptural foundation, which is why here at Crosspoint, when we get to seasons where, we're taking, where there's all the rancor going on with politics and political issues and things like that, we don't distribute Christian voter guides. We don't tell you, here's the way Christians should vote on these issues. No, I believe... The Bible is going to inform you how you should vote, but we are not going to put an obstacle in front of Jesus so people have to climb over there to get to him, because it doesn't matter if you're a great liberal Democrat or a great conservative Republican if you miss Jesus. It doesn't matter if you vote the right way. It doesn't matter if your candidate gets elected. What it matters is people come to know and follow Jesus, and so we want to make sure and again, I'm just encouraging you with these guys today. I don't, this is not a thing where you got a problem here. I think you're doing a, we're doing a pretty good job with that. But the longer we're around here, the easier it is to think, eh, it's fine. It also means this. It sometimes means that we ask you, if you're in a group of some kind, to maybe it's time to shift that group around. Like, guys, we have like 25 men showing up to a men's Bible study every Saturday morning. We want to do something about that. Uh, and that's not, there's no advertising for that. At some point, we're going to tell these men, hey, you have to push back your preferences. We might need to do two separate groups there. Those you're in small groups to do some things. They're like, I'll go. If it means I have to give up certain relationships so that other people that are newer here can get in a group they want to be in, we're going to do whatever it takes to remove as many obstacles as possible so that more and more of all kinds of people can discover and follow Jesus. And so they are telling him to be quiet. And this is the tricky part. When people who are newer to a church, who have some sketchy issues gone in their life, they're a little loud and messy. And sometimes, you know what that means? I don't know if I can be honest about this today. I just will. Sometimes I just want to tell some people, none of you here today, just the Saturday night people that come to church here. I want to go, God, would you just be quiet? You're just, like, you're just making a mess out of things here. You're just difficult and frustrating and, and challenging. It's really easy to, to start to, to think that. But here's what he does here. These people that are being self-righteous and judgmental and hypocritical are going, be quiet, just stay there at the back, stay there at the edge. And he says, you know what he does? He doesn't do what a lot of you and I will tend to do when you come to a church and you find self-righteous, judgmental, judgmental, <laughs> bad Christians. Uh, and if you think there's no bad Christians in our church, you haven't been here long enough. Just look around the room today. There's probably seven or eight people sitting within, like you could go reach out your hand to them. There's some bad Christians here, some sketchy, judgmental, hypocritical Christians here. Welcome to the jungle. It's crazy here. Some of you that are newer here are going, why would we want to stay at this church? This is weird, man. Um, but it's easy when you see that to think, well, forget that. There they go again, those judgmental, self-righteous Christians. That's a big common thing in our culture right now with the whole like, the idea of the nuns and people. Like, I don't I have any faith because they've seen bad things in the church, seen some sketchy, silly pastors, Christians, and leaders, and they thought, forget it. I don't want it. What I want to tell you is you've got to quit using people as your excuse and just shout louder. Shout, make a mess here and say, look, i got a problem here, and we've got to do something about it. He was desperate enough to go, I don't care what you fools think of me. I need to go. I know I, this Jesus of Nazareth. That's how I want to get to know. Whether I get to know any of you or not doesn't matter to me. What I want to do is get to know who Jesus is, and so he goes crazy about that. Shouts all the louder, just shout! And Jesus hears him. He stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. And again, think about this: Jesus is going to the cross. It'd be easy for him to go. Ugh, I, just, I just don't have it in me right now. What kind of God we have that says He'll take the time even when He's on His last thread hanging on by a thread to say there's a person there. Well, What we know here from the scriptures, this is probably the last miracle Jesus ever does. On a desert highway, just outside of a town, blind Bart. And he heals him, it says here. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, can we just be honest for a second? That's a dumb question. Here's a guy who's blind... He has to probably be led up to Jesus. He can't see anything. Led up to Jesus. He can't see. He's just oh, like this. Hey, what do you want me to do for you? Duh. But here's the important thing. This is super, super, super important. Jesus also asked this question to a guy who is by a pool called Bethesda right, right outside of Jerusalem. At, at, in the temp, sorry, right in the temple in Jerusalem. And he'd been paralyzed. And Jesus looks at him and says, do you want to get well? What kind of rude and sensitive question is that? And yet I have discovered that if people don't want to get well, you can't make them get well. Amen. And you have to sometimes ask the question, do you want to just feel better or do you want to get better? Because for some people, all they want is, I want to stay blind and just feed me over here, just make me a little more comfortable over here. We have to be honest with that. Guys, Whenever I do marriage counseling here, I don't do a lot of it because I'm terrible at it. I just yell at you and tell you to knock it off. We... <laughs> We got good marriage counselors here. People help with relationships. So the, one of the first questions I ask when people come in, and usually people come in for marriage counseling aren't coming in to do a quick little tune up on a couple of things there. There's some kind of crisis going on, something that's happened there. And the question I usually ask within the first 10 minutes or so is okay, so here you guys, you're sitting right here. Do you want this marriage to work? And I say, don't answer me right now because if, if you go home and think about that. If you don't want it to work, then it's not going to do me any good or you any good to sit here and talk about how you can fix this marriage and get things together and and, and be released and set free and delivered. Until somebody wants it for themselves, you can't want it for them. No, you can want it for them, but you can't make them take it until they are willing to say, yes, I need to be healed. I need to be saved. I need to be delivered. That will help some of you, especially those of you that are more, um, well, you're nicer than I am, which is everybody here probably because especially when you care about people a great deal and you want to see things change and you see gosh if they would just get this and just see this but until they want it for themselves it's not going to do any good for you now it doesn't mean you can't keep Kevin having conversations and chat with them about it but uh, until they want it for themselves and so it says here um what do you want to do for you lord i want to see i love this god's coming to some of you today to say to you hey kevin hey, Cassandra, hey, Jr, hey, Carol, what do I want me to do for you? And if the longer you've been a Christian, the more you start doing this Christianese thing where you think you have to kind of dress it all up and say all these glowing phrases about almighty God, holy God, and heavenly Father, the exalted creator, seraphim above the cherubim, enthroned in heaven, Jehovah Rapha, nothing wrong with that. But at some point, God's just telling you, what do you want? And just tell him. You don't have to dress that all up. Because some of us think, well, I can't pray to God because I don't know all the right lingo and the right language to use. I don't have the whole Christian thing down yet. Just tell God what you want. So Bartimaeus tells him, well, Lord, I want to see. And it tells us here, all right, <laughs> you can. Receive your sight. Your faith is healed you. Instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus, praising God. All who saw it praised God too. What's amazing in this is that Bartimaeus sees now. He sees and he's, you imagine, if you haven't ever seen before, also you can see red and blue and water and dust. See your, you can see things you've never seen before. He's excited about it, but you also see also who else is excited here? The crowd's excited too, which means you get excited about when God does something for you but it's just as important for you to get excited when God doesn't do anything for you but does it for somebody else. To get excited when God turns a marriage around, God turns finances around, God saves somebody out of, of just crazy, ridiculous relationship stuff. Guys, when, when you get baptized, I, have you ever seen our baptisms here? We, we get a little crazy here with that. Next weekend, we're going to pass out noisemakers here because our big baptism weekend um, and we're gonna baptize some people next week in here at our services. We standing ovation and screaming and yelling and just like that, we get excited because not because necessarily anything's happened for us. We get excited because something's happened for somebody else. Quick note on that. If you've if you're not a Christian yet, and you need to become a Christian and get baptized on your connection card that Justin told you about. Fill that out today. Let's talk about that. Maybe you've been a Christian a while, but you've always thought, well, you know, baptism is not necessary for salvation because that's not by works. It's by grace through faith, so I don't need to get baptized. And I'm telling you right now, this is not true. Jesus told you to get baptized as the sign of first of all obedience is get, get in some water and get dunked there as a symbol of you were dead in your sin, your old self is gone, and you come back out of that water, a new life is born again in you. If you've never been baptized as a Christian, One of the things that's holding you back in your faith will be that step of just going public with it, confessing it out loud to people here. If you have more questions about that, jot us a note on the connection card. We'd love to talk to you more about that. And now we get to the main part of the story. That was all the prequel. The credits just got done rolling. Now we're to the part of the story Justin read for us. He enters Jericho, and he meets a guy named Zacchaeus. Curious today... How many of you grew up going to church and like and to Sunday school classes, Missy? Hands about half of us. Okay, remember there was a song you did when you were little kids. Remember it? Zacchaeus was a and a wee little. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord. He wanted to see. Stop right there. And I heard that song growing up. I go, Oh, Zacchaeus was a short little guy. What a cute, fun little story. What a great, oh, look at this. He's short and he just wanted to see Jesus. He was excited. He just loved God and he just wanted to see Jesus. And he's short. He couldn't serve the crowd, so he climbed up in a tree. How awesome is that? We have missed the whole point of that, what we call, hmm, wee little man was he. (laughs) He was despicable Z, Zacchaeus. Says that he was a, not just a tax collector, a chief tax collector. And that's different than a tax collector. people who work for the government in the IRS services today. Way different. Completely different. He's working. He didn't even get paid for the job. When you became a tax collector, here's the context of what's going on. Israel doesn't have their own government. Well, they have a puppet government. But Rome, the empire, rules over them. Their army is there. And in order to facilitate and fund the government and the army and the empire of Rome... Uh, They had to collect taxes from the people whose, whose cities and towns and countries they were occupying. And so they would tell people, look, you need to collect this much in taxes. Whatever you get over and above that, you get to keep as your salary for yourself. And so Zacchaeus is not collecting taxes to fund his own government. He's collecting taxes for the oppressive, cruel, pagan Roman government. And as he's doing it, it says he became not just got enough to get by, he became ridiculously rich. He's exploiting his own people for a foreign government to come in and occupy them cruelly. It'd be like today if Canada rose up and took over the United States. I know, silly thought, right? Um, And all of a sudden they come in there and they start telling us, hey, you got to pay for this. Heavy taxes go out there and they send their army down here and start telling us, you got to pay taxes here. And they have offices there with people who have the, uh, the authority and the backing of the occupying army that says, if you don't pay your taxes, we'll just take you out and you'll just disappear. Almost, it's almost like a mafia godfather kind of a thing going on here. He got ridiculously wealthy. People hated him. If you want to know the emotional reaction people had to a guy named like a guys like Zacchaeus that were tax collectors, it'd be the equivalent today of the reaction you have when you hear emotional reaction you have when you hear about somebody who is who is trafficking in children. You go, that guy. He's awful, he's disgusting, he's terrible. We don't know that guy around at all. He climbs up in the tree because he's heard about Jesus and he wants to see him. I don't know who you are today, but from time to time, God is gonna call you and me to do something kind of stupid, ridiculous, and embarrassing. Because back in that day, guys like Zacchaeus did not climb trees. Most men never climbed trees. They pay people or their kids climbed up a tree and Zacchaeus is out there like in a $5,000 suit. He would pay people to climb the tree. He would go write a big check and take some cash over and pay off the people around there and set up an appointment with this guy he wanted to see. But instead he just does the stupid, ridiculous, embarrassing thing. Some of you, that's what's, help, that's what's, that's what's hindering you from coming to full owning of your faith because you just want to be embarrassed. From time to time, God's going to call you to be something like, this is awkward and embarrassing for me. I don't know what to do here. I feel stupid. I feel weird about this. Maybe you need to get over yourself and be willing to go climb a tree. Go do something that feels like, uh, I don't know. For somebody that's like, <sighs> coming to church, <laughs> getting baptized, like that feels stupid and weird to send a bunch of people there and sending water and get <clears throat> under the water there. it? It, get, it's, it, it, is, it is kind of weird to have a hot tub on a stage in an auditorium and get people dunked in it. Now, when you do it a lot, You kind of get used to it. If you're newer to this, you're going, that's just weird, dude. That's what it's going to feel like. Sometimes God's calling us to do that. And what Zacchaeus does, he recognizes that Jesus is going that way. And what he does is he gets in the way of Jesus. He's going up there. I'm going to go circle around there and get up there where I can see him. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Despicable Z and called him by name. Z, he said, Quick. Come down, I must be a guest in your home today. I think sometimes what we gotta do with people, when we see people in certain situations and you can feel like, man, something's going on in that guy or that girl's heart or life, we feel like, man, something, we need to talk about that. Maybe there's a crisis going on in their life or you see them starting to ask some questions about things and be kind of curious. Don't wait for them to ask you about it. Sometimes you need to invite yourself into their life. You need to say, hey, Zach, you and me, we're gonna talk today. Sometimes that's gonna mean we get coffee, we're gonna get sushi, we're gonna get carne asada, someplace we're just gonna chat, we're gonna talk. You and me are gonna talk about some things. And I think the reason Jesus does this is because he knows Zacchaeus' reputation well enough to know Zacchaeus is never gonna invite him over. Sometimes you need to invite yourself into somebody's life, graciously and kindly, but he does it firmly. I must be a guest in your house today. Guys, I've had a chance to do this with a few people here at Crossbone over the years. Uh, people just come here, and you just see this in their heart and their soul and their mind. They call, they put a thing on a connection card that might be some of you, get to know somebody and go, look, that person needs to become a Christian. I need to go talk to them about that. You need to walk them and say, look, you and I got to talk. I had uh, lunch with a guy of, uh, several months ago at Jin Sushi over here, right over here, where, um, what is it now, Home Goods, whatever it was. So they're in that parking lot. And we're sitting there talking. I said, "Let's you and I just chat. Now, I don't know his old journey, his whole story, and he's still got miles to go in his relationship of discovering and following Jesus. But we got done talking. I said, so, how about it, man? Out there on the bench outside that sushi restaurant, he asked Christ to save his soul and come into his heart and life. Guys, that just happens because you invite yourself into somebody's life. And you don't have to, for those of you that are super extroverted and do this all the time with everybody, you do that all the time. Some of you just need to go, hey, once in a while, when you see something in somebody's heart, say, hey, you and me, let's talk. And you do this, let's talk, without a big agenda to say, well, I'm going to close the deal with that guy today. You never start with, I'm going to close the deal. Just sit down and talk and see where it goes. And Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus, you and me are going to be friends. Z... You and me are going to be friends. Now, has Zacchaeus done anything right yet? No. no. All he done is climb a tree to go. Here's the good news. The scandalous news of, of the grace of God is you don't have to change one thing about yourself in order to become a friend of God. You don't have to. Here's what I want to tell you. You become a friend of Jesus, and that'll change you. But don't think, okay, i got to get myself together, i got to get cleaned up, i got to confess on my sin, i got to get everything right, and now I can come in. No, that's like saying, you're filthy, dirty, and I need, to take, uh, I need to clean it myself so I can take a shower. No, the whole point of taking the shower is to get cleaned up. It's just jump in. And so uh, Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house with no conditions. Nothing has changed yet in Zacchaeus' life. Look at verse 7. But the people were displeased. This is the people that five minutes ago on the road into Jericho going, Jesus, Jesus, he's our man. We love Jesus. Yes, he's amazing. They're excited because Jesus loves and cares for broken people, outcast people. That's awesome. And now he's going to hang out with him? I'm telling you, the longer you hang hang around Jesus, the more you're going to go, he does stuff sometimes, you go, I just, that, that frustrates me. That, that's, that's difficult for me. Um, whenever God is doing something great, there's some really nice church people who aren't going to like it. When, look what it says here, he has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Not just the guest of a sinner, because everybody goes, okay, Jesus is here to save sin. Jesus is going to be the guest of a notorious sinner. And the reason they're upset about that is they think that by Jesus, Jesus welcoming Zacchaeus, that he's endorsing Zacchaeus. That's the mistake we all make. We think that because a church or, or, or Christ or Christianity welcomes people in, that means we endorse and condone everything. No, we don't. Jesus doesn't even do that. You'll see here at the end, look what he says here. The Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. He talks later about this idea that uh, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He doesn't go, oh, you're all awesome. You're all snowflakes, unicorns. We're all just on the stairway to heaven. Just all come on in here. You're all good. No, he goes, some of you are morons and jerks and idiots and foolish sinners, ridiculous people. You need to be saved from your sin, but you don't have to change in order to do that. I'm going to welcome you, and let's sit down and chat together for a while. And they're all upset about that. That's why we say, guys, around here, we welcome everyone and endorse no one but Jesus. Which means, around here, some of you make me nervous. Because around here today, some of you are believing and behaving in sinful, uh, stupid ways. Crazy things going on here in people's lives. I go, What are you thinking when it comes to how you do marriage? And parenting and conflict and relationships, how you do how you do money and sexuality, all kinds of things out there. And I get a little nervous here if it stops being a little gritty and grimy around here. I think I'm gonna tell you right now, the, the sign of a healthy church and a good kingdom outpost that we call ourselves here is it's a little gritty and grimy, a little like, ugh, from time. There's times you need to go, oh, there's some sketchy, weird stuff going on here. If that's not going on here, we're not doing our job. We're not being that kind of outpost that says we're gonna welcome. Everybody here. You'll see the sweatshirt. Byron Lucas, the guy here at our church, made this for me. Notorious sinners welcomed here. That means everybody is welcomed here. And what I love, love, love about this is that in there, it says he goes to Jesus's, he goes to Zacchaeus' house. The people are all upset. I can't believe he's in there. I can't believe he's doing that. Verse 8. Meanwhile, Z stood before the Lord and said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. And if you're just reading the story, you're going, okay, what did we miss here? So Jesus is just hanging out with a meeting with them, and he stands up in the middle of the meal and says, okay, here's the deal. What I've done wrong, I'm not just going to feel bad about it. I'm not just going to confess it is bad. I'm going to make it right. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house because salvation is always seen not by dec- just declaration and by feelings. It's shown by actions. What I love about this is, though, Luke here and Matthew Mark, the guys that record this story, there was no conversation that's recorded that Jesus has with Z, where he pulls them aside. okay, Z, Z, come here. Shh, come here. Okay, we gotta have, a, have, a, have an intervention here because you're cheating people, you're exploiting people. Now, it may have happened, but I believe if anything like that would have happened, they would have recorded it. You know what changes Zacchaeus? Not rules, not a checklist of stop doing this or start doing this, and not religion of spirituality, of okay, try to do a bunch of good things to yourself together. You know what changed him? Relationship. Hanging out with Jesus changed him. And I'm gonna tell you right now, it's it's way harder. Because for me, who is a tightly wound control freak, shut up, um, <laughs> I want to have lists. I want to have like boom, 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 and this over here and that over here and get it all lined up. Here's the, here's the grid for what discipleship looks like. Here's the grid for what it means to be a, a solid, committed follower of Christ. And here's some sketchy things over here. What I love about this is just by hanging out with Jesus, he says, I got to change. And I'm telling you guys, this is the scandalous news of the gospel is that you don't have to give people a checklist of rules and religious practices to do for them to change. You know what's going to change them? They're going to get to know Jesus. That's why our whole deal around here is all kinds of people discovering and following Jesus. You just get to know who Jesus is. That's going to change you. It's like in my marriage. I love my wife, Denise. And I do some things in that marriage because uh, she wants them and she likes them that way. But if, if marriage just became like, well... I don't want to make her mad, so what's the bare minimum I have to do to make sure I don't make her mad? Boom, boom, boom. Is that going to last? You know where that ends up? Over in Marietta at the divorce court. When you just do it out of like, oh, sure, whatever. Because you start to resent that person, whatever. When you love that person, when you love them, love changes everything. You don't need a bunch of rules. It doesn't mean you're not going to keep the rules and not do some things. I want to encourage you to come back here starting next weekend. We're going to start a series of the book of Romans here at Crosspoint. Fantastic thing where Paul says the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone. And you don't have to do anything to get it. But once you not just get it and not just get a 14-point Bible study or a great New Year's Eve message about the four steps you have to do in your life to change... When their relationship happens and Jesus just takes over your life, he says, the power of the Holy Spirit will change you from the inside out. And he won't just change your behavior. He'll change what you want to do from the inside out. I, I know enough stories around here to know stuff that's going on in your life. When I met you years and years ago, you were a, a mess. And nobody had to give you a list. You know what changed you? You got to know who Jesus is. And from the inside out, slowly but surely, he just changed you. The band's going to come up. I'll give you a chance to respond to some of this today in some different ways. Uh, I want to encourage you with the fact, let's make sure we say that kind of church, it's all kinds of people. We get rid of all the obstacles we can. I don't know if for some of you today, it might be time to get up out of your chair here while the band plays some songs and we sing together and go back to our prayer team. You may, you may be like blind Bartimaeus today going, I just got stuff going on in my life. It may not be blindness. It may be some, something physical going on in your heart and soul and mind. It may be It may be your marriage, your money. There may be some of us here today that there's some stuff that you have done that it's just time you're just You're just so dang tired and lost. You're just done. It's time to get out of the crowd and go, so let's get, let's get that straight. I want to just talk to somebody about that. Go back there and I'll, I'll let them pray with you and pray for you, whatever's going on in your heart and soul today. I don't, don't have to dress it up. Don't have to get your act together first. Just come back and, and pray with somebody today. And do the, it's, I know it's a little awkward and weird and embarrassing. You don't know the single back there. Just pray with them. They're not going to counsel you. They're not going to give you four steps or you can talk to Jesus about what's going on in your heart and soul and mind. And then I wonder too, I didn't make the point earlier, but it's a major point today. It says that when God, when Jesus called Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, you come down, get out of that tree. You know what it says? It says Zacchaeus did it quickly. He didn't sit there and wait and go, let me think about it. Let me get my my iPhone out and make a little plus and minus kind of chart here. What's God calling you to do today? Is it time to do it quickly. No more peddling around and, and no more... Delaying tactics of just, well, when I feel it more. Or here's the one too. All the time people will tell me, Steve, I just don't feel ready for that. I'm telling you right now, you're never going to feel ready for the most important thing in your life. You're never going to feel ready. The journey of faith is I don't feel ready, but I'm jumping in. Here I go. So today, if you're not a Christian, become a Christian today. Let Jesus say, Jesus, I believe what you did on that cross 2,000 years ago. You forgave my sin and counseled me today. And I don't get it all yet, but I believe that. Go back and pray with somebody about that. If you've never been baptized as a follower of Jesus Christ, I encourage you on that connection card, don't wait any longer. Some of you have been waiting for months now, rationalizing it, making excuses for it. Jesus says, get baptized. Go public with your faith. And then come into the tables of communion here in the house today, the four corners of the room. Bread and juice that symbolizes the body and the blood of Jesus that was given for us. We do that every single week. Because the most important thing about Jesus is not just his miracles and not just his teaching. The most important thing about Jesus, the most important thing about Jesus is what he did 2,000 years ago when he hung on a cross and saved us and made a relationship with God possible. Because of that, we are gonna sing some songs today where we're gonna sing, in fact, there's an old school, it's like a vintage song now, it's called Shout to the Lord, I think it's the last one we're gonna do. We're going to shout to the Lord today. We're not going to shout to the... We're going to shout. We're going to sing. We're going to raise the roof on the place here on New Year's Eve today and be excited about that. Jesus, today we love you. Oh, God. More than rules, more than religion and spirituality, God, we just want you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go2crosspoint.com.